the Ain't No Fang podcast. From Arizona Sports, Ain't No Fang. Unfortunately for the Arizona Diamondbacks, it looks like May is bleeding over into June. I'm Steve Zinsmeister with Derek Montia and Cody Fincher as well on the Ain't No Fang podcast. Boys, uh, we thought 2020 was bad. Yeah. They're, they're, they are trying to make all the wrong kind of history, Steve. All the wrong kind of history. 20 and 43 is their current record. They are on pace as of right now for 111 losses. They are the worst team in baseball. They've lost 19 road games in a row. Pretty sure they've won five of their last 35 at home, so they're not doing much better there. And they are last in the league in ERA and batting average against. 19 straight road losses, Steve, with the all-time record being 22 by the 1985 Pirates. 1985, wow. Okay. That is not a record you want to hold. Or come close to. I mean, they're currently on a seven-game losing streak right after breaking, <laughs> after breaking their other losing streak oh. by one game, which was almost their biggest <laughs> losing streak in franchise history. Yeah, just lay it on They them. They haven't won a road game. Think about this. They haven't won a road game since April 25th. And what happened that day? Madison Bumgarner threw a no-hitter. In a doubleheader. Wow. The Atlanta I remember that game. We talked about that game a lot. That feels like a year ago. A no-hitter that, that was that last should, season. <laughs> the no-hitter <laughs> that, that should season. count, by the way. Oh, it counts. It doesn't I don't matter care. anymore, Bear. I, well, it doesn't matter. Bear's Shut stuck up, Bear. on that argument. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Bear hasn't moved on yet. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Madison Bumgarner's on the IL. Oh, yeah, every that's starting, right. Every starting pitcher this season has been on the IL. I mean, not... Yeah, not Caleb Smith technically, but he wasn't always part of the rotation. He was a starter for one game, and, and he, then he went to the bullpen. He was a fill-in for a starter, right. Going down injured, and Zach Gallon going to the injury. Oh lord, he's, he's an interesting case, and probably the exception to a lot of norms going on with the team right now. Because Caleb Smith, like we mentioned, got relegated to the bullpen after one start. We all thought that was kind of weird. Uh, we didn't think he necessarily deserved that. I heard Tori Lovello say the other day that. They've had several conversations, him and Caleb, where Caleb has come to them and said, hey, I know guys are going down with injuries. Am I still being considered? Like, are you guys are you guys wanting me to be well, a starter? Got, it's gotta where be, am I? It's got to be weird, too, when when guys like Gallon and Bumgarner are getting hurt and Caleb Smith, who has been a starter for his entire career, basically, is seeing guys like Riley Smith and Matt Peacock. and He's getting passed over. Yeah, he's getting, he's getting overlooked kind of for that feeling because he probably had the – or was under the assumption that hey, when these guys, if these guys go down, I'm next in line because I'm pitching really well. You would have thought, yeah, and he, he was in the rotation. Yeah, he to was. Start. Yep, he was the number five starter or something like something like that. I think he's been probably. Would you say he's been the best star of uh, the best pitcher <laughs> on the team? Other than we know Gallon's more talented. We yeah, know, we know that he just hasn't really played much. Uh, Taylor Widener was really, really good, but super small sample size before yeah. getting hurt. Is Caleb Smith the most consistent pitcher this season? I Probably. I mean, Bumgarner was pitching really well until he... until his last three starts where apparently his shoulders was bothering him, but I mean, yeah, Caleb, Caleb Smith's been pretty good. By the way, Matt Peacock left yesterday's oh, game yeah. with oh, yeah. numbness on his right That's finger. Right. Uh, X-rays got, were negative. He got he tried to field a comebacker with his bare hand. Just another in, injury. Just in case you wanted just, to know about another injury. Just one more injury. I, I, I think Caleb Smith did a good job of utilizing the media to make his feelings known when you talk about that. You said, you know, hey, does he go up? Does he say this? I don't know if he does. Uh, I feel like he definitely was vocal with us without crossing a line. And I brought that up because I liked when he did it. I liked the passion. 
you don't necessarily see everybody on a sinking ship like the Diamondbacks say, give me the captain's jacket. You know, like that's kind of <laughs> right. what he did. And he was somebody that wanted it. He's... Bring me my brown pants. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what to say about this situation. It's pretty awful to watch. I commend and tip my cap to Tori Lavolo. I just don't know how much longer this situation is going to last for him or for the organization. I don't know if I if I'm him. I don't even know if I want to manage this team anymore. You know, I, I, it's certainly I challenging. Know, I don't know if getting getting alleviated of duties might be a blessing in disguise and an opportunity elsewhere. I just don't know what to say about how bad of luck this team has has had. And I feel like what Mike uh, uh, what Farron said last week was very very relevant. I felt like what he said is is truly uh, the best thing you could say about Tori Lovello. What he has had to deal with this season and what he's had to manage through, no matter what the win-loss record ends up being, is still impressive and it's still kind of unprecedented for any team to experience this many injuries with their starting lineup. This situation with the minor leagues not really rolling in, in a way where you know, guys had a natural progression from last season to this season, and this season started on time and all of that. There's just a very slow progress for a lot of these players now, especially the young players. He's done everything he can to put nine guys out there, you know, and, and motivate them to win. They're still, I think, doing the TikTok dances, but who knows because... They've you had know, one win. They're not exactly. Uh, they're, they're they're few and far between. They're one and twenty in their last twenty one oh games. If God. I'm doing the math in my head correctly, there. well, it's funny. So Mike Farron last week told us, and I, I think you were kind of going this direction that this might be one of the more impressive performances that Tori Lovello has had as a manager, right? Because he's needed to be because it's been so challenging and such a difficult situation, and so I understand where that comes from. But we all know that in sports, in any sport. The coach is the first to go. Correct. And it, in baseball, it's usually the position coach. It's like the hitting coach, the pitching coach. But they've already done that. Yeah. Can they let go of like their medical staff, like their <laughs> trainer? Is there, like a, is there like a groundskeeper we can What, what is, is, funny, what is, what what is, is Baxter's it? contract look like? Yeah. <laughs> can Nick Pecoro feel? Because Rat- I know he can hit, and I know <laughs> yeah. that they're taking a look at his stats. And Rat Leon? Can we, can we sacrifice no. Rat Leon? Rat Leon. <laughs> the obvious answer is El Humador. You know, I mean, I know he's been living in Chase Field for a while, rent-free. Uh, I think the guy's ready to go. Living I've seen in people's him, heads, for sure. I've yeah. seen him take batting practice, and it's impressive. He can hit really dead balls long. Well, th- so the thing is, usually somebody ends up being a scapegoat when teams are this bad mm-hmm. for so, this long of a period. Did you see the last TikTok video? Obviously, it was Baxter, because he's dead now, and they t- cut his oh, head no. off and were wearing it. Oh, no. Yeah, no. It's very sacrificial of them. That's why they're losing. Very Lord of the Flies. No, you're right. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, what happened. Yeah, it's bad karma. It's bad First karma. You can't sacrifice your mascot. Yeah, what did they do? So what do we? how do we get it back? We need to look at that record since they did that to Baxter. I think, Rat, I I think Rat Leon turned him in, to be honest Here's with you. Here's the thing, though. Pick anything that's happened this season, and the record since then mm. is not good. See, <laughs> you know what they need so. to do? <laughs> they need to sacrifice Rat Leon. <laughs> yeah. That's whose that's head they saying. need to wear. String him up. That's what I'm saying. Um, God, on Tori Lovello's future, it's kind of they kind of brought this upon themselves. This discussion because Tori Lovello's contract has one year remaining, and it's this season. Yep. So this is his last season, and all along they talked about it like, well, it's not important to Tori that he get an extension. So we'll talk about it after the season. And now I can't help but think there might not be an after the season for I, him. 
I think what's going to happen is I don't think I don't think Tory Lavello will be fired this during this season. I think he'll finish the year as the D-backs manager. However, and I know that we've and I Mike Farron told us last, you know, last week what you said that he's done an impressive job for what he's got. But you're right. There is usually a scapegoat when you have a season this bad. And and usually it's the manager. And but I don't think they want to fire Tory. What I think is going to happen is they'll let him finish the season, but they will not just they'll just part ways mutually yeah. agree to part they just ways. will not renew his contract you're fired but we're not going to say you're and, fired and and i feel like a month ago i was praising tory lavello for the team being in third place or whatever that wherever they were um a couple games over 500 just because this squad that was assembled for him this year is just not good it's not deep there's no talent um there's Cattell Marte and Zach Gallen and both of them have had have spent lengthy times on the injured list this year madison bumgarner was turning it around for a little bit but what's funny is if you had told me before the season that Cattell Marte would be hitting 360 uh carson kelly would emerge as one of the better offensive catchers in the national league Pavin smith will earn playing time at multiple positions mm-hmm. and not only hit his weight but do really really well and get on base a ton and that josh rojas would emerge a little bit if you had told me all those things would happen in the same season i would have been like wow Maybe they can compete with the Dodgers and the Padres, and yet here we are. What if I told you that of their uh, 40-man roster, half of them would end up on the injured list? At least once. Some of them multiple times. And And some of them for 60 days. Right. Yes. And another problem is, too, none of the veterans are performing. Escobar has not been good this year. He had that stretch where he was playing really and hitting a bunch of home runs. At least he's been healthy. Peralta has not been that good no. Nick Ahmed has been not good either no um the only veteran that has really been playing well has been as dribble Cabrera who is hitting I think he, before he got injured was hitting 289 something like that but then he's been injured but he's been injured too so he's just newly off the injured list with a hamstring injury too so it's it, it's just and Cole Calhoun's been injured all year pretty much he's played only a handful of games it's it's and the pitching's been worse and I, and I don't know if it's even fair still to for Tory Lovello to lose his job because of that. It's not his fault that all these guys are getting hurt. That's why I think maybe he makes it to the end of the season and they just kind of fade to black. That's why I think, too. I don't think they want to do him dirty like that and, and, and let him go. There's something else to be said about how unfriendly the environment at Chase Field has become for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh. Uh, I have been to a number of games Man. against a number of teams. And, you know, they're averaging, in my opinion, I have no clue if this is accurate, but... Say it anyway. Around, like, <laughs> 7,000 7, to 10,000 people per game. Okay. Um, I, I mean, on bobblehead nights, on the weekends, maybe a little bit more, you know, and of then on, on other nights during the week, maybe even less than 7,000. I know they've been, there are a couple of nights where I've been there, it's doing 6,000 or 5,000. In a full-capacity stadium, that seats 40,000 people. That's how many they're drawing. Well, and even before the pandemic, they weren't drawing. I'm, and, not, I'm just and, saying. I'm and, just, that's not neither here nor there. My point is, is that of those six thousand, there's maybe a thousand that are Diamondbacks fans. A lot of visitors. <laughs> it's crazy, and well, it's like and their last their last three home series have been against the Giants, who have a huge fan base, of course. which I understand. The St. Louis Cardinals, who which, have one, and the Mets, and there are there were a lot of Mets, a fans. a lot of Mets fans, a lot of Cardinals fans. Like, I mean, I'm just. 
giving my experience, but this is just that short walk that I do from when I come in at the main gate and I walk around to the press elevator. And on my way there, all I see, all I see, especially in the Cardinals games, was those beautiful baby blue and red jerseys <laughs> and Goldschmidt jerseys for uh, the Cardinals. 46. And, yeah, 46. Uh, ah, uh, ah, ah, you know, uh, but, how dare you wear a Paul Goldschmidt it, Cardinals jersey to Chase Field? Oh, how dare you? Classic. That's how, how I feel. How the courtesy to how, wear a Diamondbacks yeah, What's one? wrong with you? The, 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 the audacity. Don't come to my section. That's I, all I'm saying. I'm just uh, saying it's not even a, a friendly environment at home. The Suns are doing very well. So obviously all the focus right now is on them. That almost makes it like on the playoffs. I'm sure I'm sure the Diamondbacks like PR staff is happy the Suns are so good right now because I mean no offense but no one's really paying attention to the Diamondbacks that, right good, now. It's a good thing and it's but, a bad thing because I think some of the hardcore fans are those Suns fans as well sure, right? Because sure. they're just Valley faithful yeah. and they root for all the teams. But how can you go to watch a team that's one and twenty, you know, in their last twenty one? And then games, across the street, across the street is, is a, a packed, sold out arena that, that, that's bumping. And writers are, you know, nationally are writing articles about Phoenix Suns Arena and yeah, the environment the that they're yep. creating. Well, there. no, that's an interesting juxtaposition that you kind of present there because we know this town to be a Suns town. Oh, this is, oh, it is. It's the is original team. Town. Yep. When this before team the Cardinals, is good, oh. way before the D-backs. Now the D-backs are a very young franchise in terms of baseball. I, I mean, broke I broke a TV one time over Suns loss. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, it's true. That's actually not that outlandish, outlandish to believe that. <laughs> I but, know. But no, it's it's interesting that you say that because the Diamondbacks organization is so in a different point in their history. You know, they're they're twenty what less than twenty five years old as an organization, whereas right. the Suns have been around for so long, and people have been dying to see a good Suns team for what is it like eleven or twelve years now. Yeah, and so the energy around one is so contradictory to the other. It I really find that is. very interesting. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and it's. It's interesting because from my perspective, one is my job and the other is the thing I've been a fan of since I was four years old, right? I don't, I don't cover the Suns. I'm not asked to opi- give my opinion on the Suns because they, they know what my opinion is going to be. It's going to be, they're going to win the championship. That's yeah. what I'm going to get into a microphone. You're gonna, okay. You'd be that guy in the press box that's wearing the Valley jersey and correct, cheering. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> with cheering the, with the matching play. hat. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, I'd be there. You're like, woo, junk! Sneak, sneaking a beer into the press box. Uh, and one. <laughs> chugging with the fellas, you know. But no, I think that it's, uh, it, it's one of those things that the Diamondbacks honestly – maybe you're right maybe that itch has been scratched so early on that it's like yeah they won their world series like that's all already a thing like it's definitely a factor you know but i think also it's just people here want to watch a competitive team you know i think the diamondbacks are you know by far the worst team in baseball right now i think they've shown it in multiple ways their inability to score uh their inability to keep you know, a starting pitcher that can give up less than five earned runs every single outing. You know what's funny? They're actually 15th in the league. They're dead center in the middle of the league when it comes to, like, offense, like runs scored and yeah. batting average and all that stuff. Um, but it doesn't feel like it. Nah, it doesn't. To me. Well, and when be- your pitching is dead last, I mean, that that's really what it yeah, is. Yeah, because you can score four runs a game or whatever it is, but if your but if pitching's you're giving, up nine, giving up seven to yeah. nine runs, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. I think that was right. the most heartbreaking part of the 13-game losing streak was oftentimes they scored like six yeah. runs or yeah. more, but right. the other team scored seven. You know, right. They would fall just short of that comeback. They would be able to get into the bullpen and start putting up runs late, make it exciting at least for those that are there, but... 
you know, just falling up short. So to the point where you just don't believe that they're going to do it anymore. The bullpen's atrocious. Like they could be at a tied game and you just don't feel well, like it's going to go their way. Any well, it, and it's getting down to the smallest of details now that they're not performing. There was that, I don't remember what series it was, but I don't know if you guys remember this, but that, that fly ball that went into left center field is at home in Chase Field and Cattell Marte and David Peralta come together and they have miscommunication and the ball drops in between them. Like that, that can't happen with a with a fielder like David Peralta, who's a Gold Glover, and Marte is a good center fielder too. And that that stuff's been happening. And in yesterday's game against Oakland, it was oh. a twelfth. <laughs> he was yelling about this before the <laughs> show started. Go on it. And I, yeah, I, I don't understand, and I don't understand how this wasn't resolved. But and because it, it happened twice, yesterday's game in Oakland was a twelve forty ish first pitch, so a day game. Two times it happened. I can't remember which innings it was. But the first time, Ildemaro Vargas is playing second base, and a pop-up on the infield happens. For some reason, Ildemaro Vargas is not wearing sunglasses. And he loses the ball in the sun. He recovers and makes the catch. Then it happens again. Later in the game, he's still not wearing sunglasses. He's not wearing any eye black or anything. And he loses the ball completely, has to throw his hat away, puts his bare hand up in the air, loses the ball, it falls five feet in front of him for an infield single. And that run scores. It was such that a, run scored. It was such a metaphor for the way the Diamondback season has gone. Something that seemed but, like it was so in the bag, just dropping, yeah, just losing it yeah, there in the but, sky. And, but what doesn't what I don't understand even more is how does no one on the coaching staff say Will someone go please give Ildemaro some sunglasses? For the love of God, give him some sunglasses. And if you want to make an Does argument. Does nobody care? If you, if you want to make an argument about Tories managing, I, I would say things like that are, are actually a really good example of it. I don't think that they're making adjustments. Tory often talks about doing those little things, right? The details. The, the details, you know, that, that everything was going to click and, you know, that just defensively they were out of sync at times and a lot of Tory cliches that could end up on the bingo sheet. But, you know, to criticize him, they're not doing that stuff. And it's not getting better. It's not like it was one game or three games. You know, it's a, it's a continuous thing where they aren't doing the little things right. I'm not sure what to say about a team that was so defensively sound a few years ago. Even, even last season, they were better defensively than this. The, the amount of just little errors that they make and things that they do that to lead the led to those additional run scoring leads to those things where they can't come back because the the other team scores so much it's insurmountable you know they're they're just making a lot of mistakes and just not playing good baseball it's it's not even one phase of the game because like you said offense they they kind of land in there at the middle of the pack They're but it's, okay. it's almost things that you don't register because some of those things don't even end up as errors right so right. yeah they they end up as fielding percentages against you know the player and this and that but at the same time they they're, they're not showing up to really tell the big story about how bad this team has been in so many facets of the game tory tory lavello had in milwaukee had a Huge blow up with his players in the dugout in Milwaukee. I don't know if you guys saw that. It, the, the TV broadcast caught it in between innings. He was screaming at his players, and it was after a ball that was hit into the gap um, in Milwaukee. I can't remember who hit it, but uh, Pavin Smith couldn't get there, and the relay went to third. Escobar couldn't handle the throw. The ball went into the dugout, and the run scored. It was Oof. basically a little league home run. And 
Tori Lovello blew up on his players after yeah. that. Well deserved, at least they deserved it. And I, I, I believe what he said. Cause they asked him what that was about, and he, I believe what he said was what set him off was that Matt Peacock wasn't backing up third base. Mm. And it's those little things that was the final straw for Tori, uh, uh, apparently. But it was they're not doing any of the little. There's been times where I've seen Madison Bumgarner not back up a base either. So it's on the veterans too. Escobar's had some rough games at third and second. I think there was a play but, in Milwaukee where they went to go like no one backed up first base. So like when yeah the, when when whoever was playing first base went to go make the play. I think it was Christian Walker. Yeah, there's there was, nobody there. There was nobody there's at first nobody base at to first. cover for him. And it's it was just, just like, like it's these little tiny fundamental things of baseball that you have to do to get things done and they're not doing those things it's funny you mentioned an incident with Ildemaro Vargas who in case you forgot Vargas was a Diamondback player and then they eventually I think they DFA'd him right he yeah. went away that's all I know he was on the Cubs and then I he was on the Pirates this year yeah they so he ends up him. with the Pirates right who are I know the D-backs are probably the worst team in baseball right now but the Pirates are supposed to be the worst team in baseball like that's how it goes Pirates are 23 and 37. The D-backs are 20 and 43. Yeah, so they ain't good either. And then here are the D-backs who go and hand cash to the Pirates and take a player that they cut. Right. And now he's not good enough to be on the D-backs. Then he's not good enough to be on the Pirates. And now he's back on the D-backs. That doesn't make any sense. That just (laughs) encapsulates. We're paying the the other worst team in baseball to give us a player that we didn't even want originally. Right. It's just so here's what it brings up to mind for me. Should this team give up the way that they did a month into last season, which was about halfway through last season, (laughs) and should they start shipping out players? Last year, they gave up on Starling Marte after only a month in a D-backs uniform. They gave up on Andrew Chafin, who was their only left-handed reliever of note. Robbie Ray, who they had wanted to give up on him for a long time, let's be honest. And Archie. Uh, And Archie, who was one of the most beloved members of the team. Do they ship guys out, and who could it be? I will say this much. Uh, they need to ship guys out. I don't know who they're going to actually get to play the positions, though, because that's that's <laughs> right, the fun. Right, right, That's the fun game is who, <laughs> who plays the positions. Because Tori can't play the positions, so like, <laughs> he can't put himself he in He doesn't have positional flexibility? He does not, unfortunately, as much as he likes that. Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> that they go the Bitcoin route and do a quick turnaround <laughs> on a short-term investment. Uh, with Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick is hitting nearly 300. He's hitting 297. He is the ageless wonder right now. Sell high on Josh Reddick? Why not? You only have him on a one-year deal. I mean, it could end up He's yielding. not a long-term piece. You could yield two pretty good prospects or something of that kind of sort I, uh, for a team that's competitive and needs center field help, not to mention a team Can- that's young, that needs that kind of presence. I will say that I've just been amazed. You know, like Josh Reddick has like all the Astros, kind of has a bad reputation. And, and to see him just as a human being, as a person, talk about joining this team, talk about what he's contributing and what he wants, you know, the young guys to do, the the you know, the tutelage that he's doing. And just, again, I love the Mohawk. I think that's just a small <laughs> example. I mean, that's it's just one of those things that you're like, this is going to pop the boys. You know, this is going to get guys to smile and laugh. And, you know, maybe this will get everybody to – kind of relax a little bit and we can win a baseball game. I don't know that you get much for for Reddick. Yeah, I don't know only He's playing very well. I'll give you that. I know. He's not on any kind of contract. But I think any other team that wants him that badly would look at the situation and say, well, he's not going to stay with the Diamondbacks. They're not going to sign him to a 
five-year deal or something like that we have a shot at him we're getting down to the point where there's a handful of teams that are starting to separate themselves from the pack and that's going to be important in the second half especially if it's a young team i mean there's just certain young teams like i i don't know how well they're doing but like the toronto blue jays for instance which i brought up a lot that have a lot of young players they're going to be in it and they're going to be in it so somebody like that could really be the thing that kind of gets them over the hump and and can share his experience with the team can you make that argument for as cabrera as well who is still a good hitter in his mid-30s i I think so i think the only the only difference there is reddick's hot right now it's true whereas is drupal cabrera's coming off an injury injury you know it wasn't having that good of a season um as good of a season i should say as josh reddick has been having since he's been called up to the major league club i think the couple guys that if you asked a person on the street who is a diamondbacks fan that they would turn to first if you asked them who should they ship out they would look at eduardo escobar and david peralta Peralta might be a little more difficult to. Well, he might. I don't know if it's easier or more difficult, but he's got a. I think he's got a year left on his deal or two year or two years. I can't remember, but he's not making a lot of money. And Eduardo Escobar is a free agent after this year too. Peralta is also not playing that but well. Neither is Escobar. So I don't know what you would. Yeah. I don't know if you just ride with those guys till know. the end. Escobar had the uh, led the National League in RBI there for a little while. He's yeah. had a lot of power this year. It's been at the expense of a lot of other things, though. Sure. He's um, kind of been called on. We kind of talked about this from day one of the season. We didn't expect it to go on this long, but he's been really the Diamondbacks' second baseman. Yeah, and he's adapted well to that He's played more at second base than any other player on this team this season, and I didn't expect that to happen. I expected him to maybe do it once, twice a week. But now he is their second baseman when Cabrera is healthy enough to play third. Peralta's under, by the way, just Peralta's under contract through next year. He makes seven and a half million dollars in. So would some team be willing to give up on? He's thirty four years old. By a the way. middle range prospect package for a guy that could maybe hit two seventy five, play left field, and for a year and a half. What position does cash cash considerations play? Because. <laughs> We might need them to suit up. Depends well, on who you call up, I guess. <laughs> I'd say with Peralta, it's his worst year offensively, statistically, so I wouldn't trade him this year. I would wait and hold You'd off be selling trade low. Peralta. Right. I'd wait yeah. to do it next season. He, I mean, he's hit around 300 in his career almost every year. Escobar has a very team-friendly contract, but he, it's only it ends this season, I'm pretty sure. he's He would be a yeah, rental a for another agent. team. But he's got positional flexibility. You could feel good about him at third, second, maybe even left field if you really had to. Um, so maybe there's something there for Escobar, and he does have that power, although I, I I don't know about lately, but he's got some pop to him. He might be a piece. There's rumors about Cattell Marte. There's always going to be rumors about Cattell Marte because, quite frankly, he's the best player, and he plays a premier position in center field. There's a lot of rumors around the New York Yankees needing a center fielder uh, and other That's teams as well. That's been raised a couple times. Um, yeah. Cattell Marte... Uh, I mean, I, I, personally, I don't know. I wouldn't trade him, but I wouldn't shoot down or reject every call that comes up on my caller ID if I'm Mike Hazen. If some team blows him blows him away or blows their front office away with, with an offer, then I think they have to consider it because I, I feel like this team, and one of the issues is they go, they kind of ride the fence whether they're going to rebuild or try to compete. You, either, I feel like you have to go one way or the other. You have to either go all in and try to compete, spend a little bit more money, make some big trades, whatever it is, 
or you got to rebuild and see what your farm system is and see what these young guys can give you and then see if you can build a championship contender around those core pieces. But I feel like this I feel like the Diamondbacks at least over the last few years have just kind of ridden the fence between competing and rebuilding. It was even even in 2017 when Mike Hazen and his crew and Tori Lovello first took over. I I and I think other people expected oh they're going to rebuild because their farm system is trash right now. They're going to rebuild this team, but then 2017 they were good. And then they go out and get JD Martinez and they made the playoffs. And they won that wild card game, but then they got swept by the Dodgers and then they're like, "Okay, we're not going to pay JD Martinez. Uh so let's go get Steven Souza Jr. who is who is cheaper, and let's trade a couple prospects for him, and then that didn't work out. Well, and then they trade Paul Goldschmidt a year later. Didn't you feel pretty good? I think we all felt pretty good at the beginning of last season, before 2020's regular season. Yeah. They went out and made the trade for Starling Marte. Um, they, they signed Mad Bum. Signed Madison Bumgarner, which we all thought would go better than it has. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I felt really confident going into last season that they were ready to try to compete with the Dodgers. But remember, this is before the Padres were the Padres. Right, Correct. That they currently are. So and the Giants, we certainly didn't see this season that they've had coming, and especially a year ago. So I felt really good going into 2020, but then they blew it all up a month into the season. I'm not saying it and was that's the what's wrong just decision. Weird to me. It's kind of. It seems like they're just going back and forth between. Yeah. Between this stuff, and it, I feel like you got to commit eventually. Especially, especially, might now might be the time to commit to rebuilding. Like you said, the Dodgers are always going to be good. The Padres are really good, and now the Giants are, seem to be an upstart team too. You have two jobs when you're a front office or a general manager, president of baseball operations, whatever. You have two jobs. One of them is the farm system and being able to currently and consistently stock the major leagues with talent. Uh, I feel that Mike Hazen has done that pretty well. They've built the farm system. Now they just got to transition. They're, farm system is highly regarded yeah he went from bottom five to ten to top five to ten yeah which is great yeah the other job you have as a front office is to win at the major league level they have not done that no not since their first season when they did it on accident quite (laughs) quite frankly they didn't really put that team together it was already pretty much put together when they got here and so if you want to call it that they stopped. Yeah, they stopped playing as Manny Tomas in left field. That's pretty well, much all they and did. And how much success did and you they really got, have? And they got Granky a better catcher. You lost. In the, you lost in the division series. It's not like the most success you've ever had. So I don't know. I don't know how much you how much stock you put in the front office at this point. I do think Tory will end up being the scapegoat at some point. Not Mike Hazen, but we don't know internally. Both have their faults. We don't know internally what the feeling is. Right. Uh, right. I, yeah. right. I have speculated and made it sound like it was fact, but it's all my own. It's a, it's all in my own head. But based on the perception that this team, how this team was put together in the offseason, and how several other teams sold off so many of their good players and made no effort to get better in a much more winnable division than the NL West. Mm-hmm. You know, the NL West yeah. was was getting kind of stacked, and it it seemed, you know. Just kind of hard to deal with. It seemed like it's a bit much. It's a bit daunting to try to compete with the way the Padres and the Dodgers are put together right now. Um, but it very much seemed like to me that a lot of teams were just opting out on this season due to the financial uncertainty of how things were going to go, when fans were going to be let back into the stadiums, when all of this was going to happen. I don't think the Arizona Diamondbacks planned on being so bad that once they opened up to full capacity, they would only be getting less than 10,000 people in, in the stadium every night. I think that... You know, their hope was that they would bounce back a little bit more and, you know, just kind of have a, a little bit more positive outlook for the future. Maybe not this season, but 
you know, going forward. They they obviously were not committing to building this team in any way, shape, or form this offseason. They were just trying to bring in, which I liked, just some veteran you know, pieces for the bullpen, pieces for the outfield, things like that. Cole Calhoun was a 2020 guy. Yeah, there, there's mm-hmm. things like that that they could improve on this team that they felt like it wasn't this bad of a team, but obviously they would have no idea about the injuries. They just didn't feel like, really, it, it felt like they didn't know how this team was going to be still. and not, It wasn't just financial uncertainty. It was like, let's see what this team's identity is this season, and then we can make a decision on how to move forward you know, after the season. I, I strongly think it's going to go in the direction of rebuilding now with, with just how bad it is. But again, internally, they may feel like Tori Lavolo isn't at fault for what's happened for this season. That very much could be the reason why they even, you know, pick him up and renew his contract after the end of the year. I don't think any of us see that happening, but I, I would It's an interesting concept. You rebuild and you keep the, the manager you have. I think he's a good manager for the players. I think he's good with the young guys. I feel like he really has done a great job with. Does like he still Peyton have the clubhouse Smith and jo- Josh Rojas? I think he does. I mean, you know how, the, but they, I don't know. I don't see the clubhouse anymore. I don't know how it is. Yeah, I think that I'm still impressed that even with how bad this team was back when they had their last win, that they're still doing the TikTok dances and still trying to generate that kind of atmosphere. Still trying to just get loose and play in a way where they remember that they're playing a fun game. When you are losing this much, it's hard to remember that you are just playing a game and that's win or loss. It's fun and you're getting paid a ton of money to do it. The the stress and everything like that is has to be just daunting again it has to be one of those things that hangs over your head and makes it very difficult for you to just go out there and play baseball you know they, they always say that thing where they say uh win or lose tomorrow's a different day we got to put whatever you know happened today behind us and we have to just focus short on memory tomorrow. have a short memory that's really hard to have when you're losing this much you know i hate every to day s- is the same <laughs> yeah I hate to say that the most exciting thing about this weekend series is the other team, but let's be honest. Shohei Otani's in town, and I'm excited about it. Um, I talked with some guys on an Angels podcast last night and was trying to get a little bit of background perspective on what is it like to have Otani on your team. And I said to them, with all due respect, Shohei Otani to me is the bearded lady in the traveling circus. And the Angels are coming through town, and I just want to see the bearded lady. I just, I just want to see it for my own eyes. And he's going to be pitching tomorrow. How excited are we about that? I love watching Shohei Otani play. It's it's crazy what he's able to do. He had a 470-foot home run the other day. <laughs> he's awesome. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. He's a video game. He's, he's, a, he's he, first of all, he's huge. He's a yeah. big dude. How tall is he? He's like 6'5 or something like that. He's big. He's tall. Damn. Um, but he throws 100 miles an hour. He hits 470-foot home runs. He does them in the same game. 6'4". 6'4". He's, wow. That's a big dude. That's a big dude. And, uh, I mean, tomorrow we're probably going to see him pitch and bat third. Yet he still like, weighs 20 pounds less than me. You know what's, <laughs> <I don't> <laughs> <understand>. <laughs> That's so weird. That's so you know what's weird. funny? That's funny. <laughs> you know what's funny about sports is How in is baseball, in baseball, a six foot four guy is like super huge. And in basketball, basketball that's a, a point guard. He's, he's the just, shortest guy on the team. Yeah. yeah. A guy right. out he's there. He's a dude. I think that. Uh, I love watching him play. Your analogy is dead on about yeah. the bearded lady thing. And honestly, the Angels are kind of one of those teams that I talked about before where players, they, you know, the team's not very good at all. 
But they have Mike, no, Mike they, Trout's they, out for a while too. They still have the draw. Yeah. Right. And like right. Mike Trout was the draw. Now Otani's the draw. It's that thing that even if all of the other acts are mediocre at best, you're still there to see the bearded lady, and you're still gonna have a good time. <laughs> They're actually. Watching her. I don't want to say it's comparable to the D-backs because the D-backs have been far worse so far than the Angels. But like you mentioned, Mike Trout is out. The D-backs had their best players out, Gallon and Marte for a time. So there's that comparison. Um, you got guys like Justin Upton who are hitting a bunch of home runs, but everything else is lackluster, kind of like Eduardo Escobar. Um, they do have some emerging stars. They got Jared Walsh, who's been very, very good at mm-hmm, first base. Mm-hmm. Um, much like Paven Smith has been emerging at first base for the Diamond and other positions. I always forget they have Anthony Rendon as their third baseman, and he's yeah, a good player, but <laughs> hasn't been that good this no, season, though. No, not bad, but and he's not a superstar. He's a really good player. He's but, capable of yeah. being a superstar. But, but he hasn't been. But he's one right. of those guys that was on a championship team, and he was a good player, and he was able to get paid. And he was really good at the right time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I would totally agree with that. But yeah, I think Otani is the big draw this weekend. We don't get the Angels very often in Arizona, and they don't get the Diamondbacks very often. I I don't think it's going to happen, but I really want to see him see if he starts in like the in left or right field in this series, one game. Otani, yeah, Otani in the field, yeah, yeah. Because I kind of doubt it, but it seems like it's not going to happen. But I mean, there have been games this year where he's pitched, and it's time to take him out off the mound, and they want to keep his bat in the lineup, so they just stuck him in left field. But I would kind of like to see him strike out twenty-seven hitters tomorrow. I mm. I know that that's a horrible thing to say about the Diamondbacks, but it really is. But I, you know what? The way things have been going hey, lately, Bear, have hey, an immaculate game. Hey, Bear, is this an Arizona Diamondbacks podcast? I don't know. Let me check. What's it called? Yeah, it's called the Ain't No Fang. I don't think that's an angel related reference, is it, Steve? Oh, tell me that if Otani <laughs> struck out every hitter tomorrow, you wouldn't be super excited. Oh, my about it. article would be fantastic. Yeah, it would be great. It would be great. I would read it. It'd be the first time. I was going to say <laughs> that insinuated that I'm you kidding. Don't read it, and that hurts my feelings. Oh my god! I read your stuff. Stop. Sometimes. I know, sometimes. I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. I get your emails late at night when you send it in. I know. So I because that's I look when at I'm it. done. I'm I'm glad that Saturday. I don't game get those is, emails. No, he doesn't. I'll send it to you. <laughs> but be honest, like, if we the Diamondbacks have been close to no hit. They've I think the other what was it last night? They had like two hits. I think yeah, something, something yeah. like that. Two so hits. it's like, is this that outlandish that I'm bringing it up? Like if no. Otani has if he goes seven innings, ten plus strikeouts, like that'll be kind of exciting. I was nervous about that with Degrom at one point. I think I yeah, think Degrom had a uh-huh. perfect game going. They almost or, got uh, Freddie Peralta from the Brewers had a no hitter into the uh, seventh or something like. Shockingly, something like good that. pitchers are being very yes. good against Corbin the Burns. Struck out thirteen. Yeah, against the D backs. <sighs> All I'm saying is that. It would keep my interest, whereas the Diamondbacks are currently not keeping my interest. That's what I'm saying. That's fair. I think that's fair. That's fair. So we're excited to see Shohei Otani this weekend. You get the Angels for a three-game series. That starts tomorrow. Just don't show up in your Otani jersey. I don't have an Otani jersey. Well, don't go buy one before the game is what I'm saying. Are you going to get me an Otani jersey? No, wear your D-back shirt for Pete's sake. Come on. Well, my birthday is in October, so you can think about it. I'm not getting you an Otani jersey. (laughs) I'm Steve Zinsmeister. It's Derek Montia and Cody Fincher as well. Uh, We thank you so much for listening this week. Check us out next week. It is the Ain't No Fang podcast here at ArizonaSports.com and on the Arizona Sports app.